you know, it's a, this is an amazing time for us. It is different, um, but it's so amazing. I believe that God is teaching us many lessons um, about our resiliency, how uh, God is so amazing and has provided for this time, knowing that, that uh, we would be experiencing this particular separation. He has allowed and caused uh, media, the media to expand so that we would never be totally isolated because we don't live in what we would call an agrarian society. We live in an urban society. And because we live in an urban society, it's a bit difficult. We have a lot of people and it's very difficult. If we live in the rural areas, we just go walk to the neighbor's house and that kind of thing. But now we just get on the social media. What an amazing God. You may think, oh, well, no, it was Bill Gates and Stephen Jobs and, and Wozniak and all those guys who did it. No, it was God who caused them to find this, this amazing treasure. So I'm grateful to the Lord for all things, and I want you to be grateful to the Lord for all things. And I want to remind those of you who uh, tuned in a bit late, uh, Sister Marvin and I are so appreciative of you. And uh, we think about you often, we talk about you often, and she's always giving me something to do in regards to you. So I want you to know that. I don't come up with every idea myself, maybe a good number of them, but she's always giving me new things to do for you. Uh, I want to continue to talk about the church of Jesus Christ. The church is so amazing. Uh, we have explained it as... Um, as the called out ones. We're the called out ones of God. So uh, there's a big field uh, of the, called the earth of a great number of people, and we are people that God has called out of the, the world, called out of the world system, called out of our sin to be a part of his family. And that's what we are. Now, there are many other uh, people in the earth who must be called out also. And we preach the gospel to them as well. We preach the gospel to comfort and inform you. We preach the gospel to them to inform them that they should come to God and be saved from their sins, to be saved uh, from what they could never ever have been saved from were it not for Jesus Christ. So I want to continue to speak on the church uh, part two. Uh, what is the church? And we know it is that we are called out. We are called out of the world. We know that. We're called out ones. We're the ecclesia, the scripture calls it. We are also the dwelling place of God. We are his house. Now, when we say the dwelling place of God, we don't want to go too far, too quickly with that because we may miss the import of that. We may miss how important that is. When we say that we are the dwelling place, place of God. That's not what we would call ambiguous or unclear. It's not nebulous or in the clouds somewhere. But this is a real thing that God has made his home in human beings. Because the Bible teaches us that the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. And so he does not make, uh, live in these, as it were, man-made structures. God lives in people. God lives in people. So you are, as a believer, his dwelling place. You are his house. And so you want, you know, God wants a clean house. So, so you always obey the word of God. You are his house. 
you are also his temple. So that means that you, you must look at your body, your personal body, as a place of worship. You should look at not just something that you do. We've had a wonderful worship service here today. Very powerful, very to the point. But, but that is a part of it. Your whole body, the way you conduct your life, is worship. So you have to understand that if your body is a temple and the body of Christ worldwide, the church, is the temple of God, then that means that we must conduct our lives differently than many of us have conducted our lives. And there is a warning about that, but we're not going to give it to you right now. We're also the body of God's activities in the earth. So that means that what God is doing in the earth, he is doing it through the church. He is doing it through people of faith. What God is doing in the earth, that which comes from God, that which God is requiring, he does it through the church. Uh, Pastor Pearsall, in his lifetime, was uh, quoted a, an elderly gentleman who one day said in a meeting, he said, Lord, as he was praying, Lord, whatever you do, don't do it without me. And that should be all of our attitude. We want God to use us. Uh, that is not arrogancy to say, God, use me. Also, we, the church, are the body through which God speaks. God speaks through his body. God speaks through his body. Now, I do not speak through another human being's body. I speak through my body. And so God does not use extraneous things to speak through that. I do know God can speak through nature in that he will allow nature to maybe have upheavals or things like that, and God can speak through that. Yes, but that is not the way God normally speaks. God speaks through his body, his people. And so you must understand that if I, if I or if you are the voice of God, we must be a clear voice of God that is informed by the word of God, the logos uh, and the rhema word of God. Logos means the way the thoughts of God, the doings of God. The rhema is a specific word. Uh, for a specific time. And you want to, to be that voice of God uh, in the earth. God speaks through his body. God speaks through his body. Uh, as a matter of fact, there were many times that Jesus spoke and, and it was said that God uh, had spoken through Christ. God had spoken through Christ. So God's lived in Christ. He was in Christ doing great works. So that means that just as God was in Christ performing miracles, doing works, right today, Jesus Christ lives in us. God lives in us. And when I say God, I'm sometimes speaking of God the Father, but also God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. But Jesus Christ speaks to the earth through us. My message today was uh, inspired when I listened uh, to many positions during the last several weeks of people in the world and the positions that they have uh, concerning coronavirus and the statements that even some in the faith community have made. I, I feel that many Christians are reluctant to make faith 
filled statements for fear of being misunderstood. And so that's what has really given me the impetus to preach this message today. Many of us are very fearful, so we won't say anything because we don't want to be misunderstood. Well, I think we should always speak the words of God, whether we are misunderstood or not. We must speak the words of God, be very clear, and speak what Jesus gives us to speak. Jesus spoke many amazing words while he was on the earth, and, and they would, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and others would always take his words out of context. They would take his word out of context. But Jesus did not stop speaking, neither should you. We should always make sure that when we speak, as the Apostle Peter tells us, we should speak as the oracles of God. So that means that every believer is filled with the Holy Spirit and they can speak now as the sayings of God. They have the sayings of God within them, the sayings of God, the words of God are in you, whether you actually are cognizant or aware of them or not. You may not be aware that all that is in you, but it is. Sometimes God will give you a, um, uh, an example or an opportunity to know what you don't know consciously when uh, you were maybe thinking something and you didn't know it was a scripture. I know many of us have done that in our lifetime. Uh, when I was younger and didn't know a particular scripture, and, some, and I knew that God had said something to me. And later on, I found, wow, that's in the scripture. That is in the scripture. So I believe that every, time, when we, when every believer rather, who comes to God has God in them. That means you have the words of God, the sayings of God. Uh, but I, I think the words of God must be spoken and they must be spoken through the church of Jesus Christ. So today I want to try to bring some uh, further clarity between the church and the world. Uh, we are to follow God's voice and, the, and not the voice of the spirit of the age. There is another voice. There's a voice of the spirit of the age. And it is a wicked voice. It is a voice that is anti-God and anti-Christ. You don't want to do, do that. You don't want to follow that voice, that spirit. Now, many of us will, will be in jeopardy of following that spirit when we follow particular views that are in the world, that the world gives us. Uh, some of us will, will watch uh, uh, news, and I watch news as well, but you have to be discerning to know what is of God or what God is bringing to you as, as good information or whether someone is trying to propagandize you. Now, many of us will have our own bent. We will have our own, uh, as it were, viewpoint, maybe based on the way we were reared or based on our environment, and we will have some things based on our self-interest. But we should never, ever make a decision based on self-interest or perhaps the way I was raised to think. I was conditioned to think. No, because the Bible teaches us that you and I are now a new creation. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things 
are become new. They have become new. And the all things, the, the next verse says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses uh, 17 and 18, the, the next verse, the verse 18 says, and all things are of God. So for the believer, for the church, we should be all things God. All things God. And some people say, well, you, you don't want to be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. No, no, no. To be truly heavenly minded is to be absolutely earthly good. And so that's what the church is. We are to take the things of God and express them in the earth in word and deed. In word and deed. Now, I, I must say something very quickly because it's in my thoughts right now. And that is that all of the partisan stuff that is in the world is of the world. We, we shouldn't even be that way. We should never, ever be that way. And sometimes we look as believers, as the church, we look to be informed by that world system and say, well, what are we going to do? We have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to God before you have a responsibility to anything else. And so we must take that seriously. And I, I certainly stand against anybody who wants to take their responsibility to uh, uh, civilly and, and, and somehow raise that responsibility against what God has told the believer. Because at the end, all these things that we, many of us are trying to prop up will be destroyed. Because the Bible says that we are the only ones who have this kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have a kingdom. We are part of a kingdom that is unshakable, unbreakable, indestructible. That's who we are, the church. Let's see what Jesus says about that in Matthew chapter 16. I will begin reading in verse 13. Matthew chapter 16, we'll begin reading in verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So they recognized that Jesus was someone great. They thought either he's John the Baptist risen from the dead, or Elijah, or who was to come before the great and notable day of the Lord, or he's one of those amazing prophets. Then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And I want to pause there for a moment because it's very wonderful to know that, that the people of Jesus' day thought he was a great prophet. Some thought he was a, a John the Baptist risen up, Jeremiah or, or somebody else, Elijah. But who do you say he is? You, you should not say, well, he's a great person while he's a good person. I'm sure there are people in my audience today, you who don't know Jesus, you may think that Jesus was a good person. I've talked to people of other religions, not other faiths, but other religions who would say, well, he was a great man, but he was not uh, the, the son of God as he said. Wow. No, if Jesus is not the son of God, he is not a great man because he said he was the son of God. And if he were not the son of God, that means he was a liar. But he is not a liar. He is not a liar. He is God. He cannot lie. He is who he says he is. And you say, well, Don Lavelle, how do you know he is who he says he is? Because I have the witness of the Holy Spirit in me. And many, many, multiple thousands and tens of thousands and millions of believers around the world who have never, ever conferred one with the other have the same witness. It's amazing. A quick story. Once we were uh, living in the Middle East and... I was working there, and my, my wife and I took a taxi cab 
And uh, she said to me, Don, that cab driver's a Christian. I thought, wow, girl, come on. You know, now I'm, I'm the preacher, right? I thought, nah, what are you talking about? 85% non-Christians here, or more, 85 to 90% uh, non-Christians. He, 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 he's a Christian, I'm telling you. And so uh, she's very perceptive like that. And so we went on, and I, I just thought, nah, it's a girl. And so we went on, and later on, we found out he was a Christian. And not only was he a Christian, he became our driver. Wow, it's amazing. You know, what I'm saying is we are carrying something. We have something, and it is not of this world. It is from out of this world. It's from heaven itself. So, so you should know who Jesus is by that personal witness of the Holy Spirit in you. Um, when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter. We love Peter because Peter was always the disciple who kind of stuck his neck out or put his foot in his mouth, whichever. But I love Peter because he's the kind of friend you always want. You want somebody who, would, who don't mind the embarrassment to find the truth, right? So, so G Peter jumped up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What an amazing statement. The man who stuck his foot in his mouth, who stuck his neck out, he is the one who got somewhere. Yes, he is the one who God the Father used to bring forth this amazing revelation for the church. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or blessed are you, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And you and I do not want something revealed, as it were, from a source called flesh and blood. We do not want to rely on a source called flesh and blood. No matter how beautiful it is, how handsome it is, how smart it is, we do not want to. Because what flesh and blood uh, brings about is temporary. But what God brings about, those things that cannot be seen, they are eternal. And here's what he says. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, but my Father who is in heaven, but my Father who is in heaven. My Father did this. And so in following Jesus, uh, sp uh, he speaks uh, of and gives a definition. He says, he's, now he's going to tell us something in just a moment. I'm going to read in, in verse 18 where he shows us how unstoppable the church is, how unbeatable, unshakable this organism called the church is. I do know that we, we see things in our, with our natural eye and we think, oh my goodness, what is going to happen? This is terrible. But he says, no, it's an unbeatable, it's an unstoppable, it's an unshakable organism and it's called the church. It's not an organization as, it, as much as it is an organism because it's alive with the Spirit of God. It has been animated, given life to by the indwelling Spirit of God. You and I are not just other folks in the world. We are inhabited. We are lived in by God. That's a mystery. It's an amazing mystery. And, and what makes this so uh, amazing and mysterious, the Bible tells us clearly that the heavens of heavens cannot contain him. Wow. That is so overwhelming to my mind. Now, here's God. This shows you the miraculous power of our God who indwells the church, who indwells people of God, that even the universe that he created is too small. 
that God is bigger than what we call this infinite universe. And he lives in you. This is overwhelming. So, so now what you're understanding is why you are unstoppable, why you are unbeatable, why you are unshakable. This is what he said to Peter. When he told Peter, he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father uh, who is in heaven. And he says, he connects that statement. He says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. He's saying, and, and you are a piece of the rock. You are a part of what is going on here, Peter. Peter was a pebble chipped off the big rock. Then this is what he says. And on this rock, you are a little rock, but on this big boulder. I will build my church. I will build my church on the eternal, not the temporary. I will build my church. I will build my church. I will build my church. We are not, we're not kingdom builders. I know there are a lot of ministries called kingdom builders, and there are a lot of uh, ministries called church builders. No, we, we advance the kingdom of God, and Jesus builds his church. Now, we, he uses us. He uses us as instruments. But you never say to a paintbrush, oh, you sure painted a beautiful picture. But you say to the artist, Jesus is the great artist. Yeah, Jesus is the great artisan. And so if you and I are a hammer or a chisel or whatever instrument he's using, then thank God that we are used. But he is the builder. He says, I will build my church. I will build my church. And he connects it again. He connects it. Now we have these three parts that are connected. The, the revelation of God the Father, the, the fact that, that Peter is a part of this and that Jesus is building the church. And he says, and he shows us the results of his building. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The gates of Hades, the authority of hell, all that hell brings against you is not superior in strength to you. It is not more powerful than you. It has no greater influence than you. It cannot succeed against you. It cannot dominate you. It shall not overpower the church. Wow. That's what God is saying. This is huge stuff. So we have to understand who we are. And then he says to Peter, verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven this is what god is saying to all of us who have faith he says i listen to you from heaven i listen to you when you say something i, I listen i take notice I'm, I'm a dad love my children from the before they were born i love my kids i i just love my children and uh I believe that it would be an honor to give my life to protect one of my children and one of my grandchildren and even the believers in the church that I pastor. I feel that way about each one of them. I've always been a, I've been a dad. I think I was a dad before anything. Before I had kids, it's like I had a heart of a dad. And what God is saying is, is whatever you're saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back it up. That is, you, whatever you're saying, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, God is backing that up. And so that's why you always want to, to make sure that you're in the Word of God and, knowing, and know always what God is saying and doing. And he says, whatever you bind uh, uh, on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, be loosed in heaven. So he says, I'm working in concert with you. I'm working with you. You are the body of Christ, the body of Christ in the earth. You are the anointed ones in the earth. Wow. It's amazing. So, so the church is very powerful. 
then sometimes we have relegated the church to something less powerful by running after uh, those in the world who seem to have power. I think it's, it's what in Espanol we would say, que lastima, que lastima, what, what, what a pity, que, que vergüenza, what, 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 what shame, you know, wow. You know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's muy débil, huh? very weak, for to, be, to be so strong and then relegate yourself to a place of weakness and a position of weakness, that should never be. And I, I said in 2008, 2008, during the first terrible financial crisis, I said two things. One thing, God gave me this word. And I said, this is about the church more than it is about the world. It was a prophetic statement. And I still say the same thing today. This is about the church more than it is about the world because many of us who are in the church don't know that we are of God. We're of God. We don't know how the power that we have uh, in Christ. Wow. Well, well, so, so, so I, I want to just really drive this point home today to all of us. Let's, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 15 through 23. And um, we're going to continue to talk about the church because I think that this is, uh, this, I know this is the church's finest hour. I, I told you that, that this was about the church more than it was about uh, the world. And, uh, and that is so true. He says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Listen, faith in Jesus. That's what we want to, to really uh, express and proclaim. Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. I know those of you who are part of this fellowship, you know you hear me talking about that all the time because I found it to be true. I found Jesus to be my only source. Jesus he, he is my only solution. Jesus is my only answer. Jesus is my, my blessing. You know, so we sing a song, I'm not here for blessings, and that song is inferring, I'm not here for things. I'm not here for things, but because God has blessed us with Jesus Christ. And that means that you and I are more than anything that comes against us. We are, we are like indestructible. No, it's true. It's true. Oh, we can die with this body, but there's coming a day that God himself, through Christ, is going to share his immortality with you. Wow. But it's amazing. This means, and we already have it working in the mortal because the Holy Spirit is working in the mortal. This is amazing. And so it's like Paul tells us, Paul, the, the apostle tells us that the Holy Spirit is like a down payment. <laughs> wow. It's a down payment. He is a down payment on all that God has. So the church is a marvelous entity. It is a, it is a marvelous organism. It's a life-filled organism. Life, with the life of God. So Paul says, uh, since you heard of, of their faith uh, in the Lord Jesus, the love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. Make it mention of you in my prayers. Now, what, what does he pray? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you. Now, this is what not uh, uh, uncertain, but that God may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So God gives you by his indwelling spirit, by the Holy Spirit, an, a heavenly attitude. I had an attitude of wisdom. You have much wisdom. You have, uh, as it were, spiritual dexterity. You have uh, spiritual skill. You can see things and know things. 
And then he says, in the revelation of him. And so then now you will have intimate knowledge of God. Intimate knowledge of God. Not just somebody who read a book and, and learned some facts, but now you know God intimately. And these times help us to know God intimately. The eyes of your understanding. What? Being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So God uh, has an inheritance in you. Wow. God inherits you through Jesus Christ. And then he prayed, and, and that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power when he worked in, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, under Christ's feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let, let me just look at this a minute. It's just so amazingly powerful. Paul wants us to know Christ's incomparably great power, incomparably great power for us who believe. You can't, there's nothing in the earth that can compare with a great power that's there on our behalf. This word power is dunamis. It means spiritually dynamic and a, and a living force. The power of God is directed toward all believers in this great and matchless power. Paul then describes God's power is according to the workings or the energy exerted, the might that, he, that was exerted. And so these words mean the energy and the power or the might that overcomes resistance. So, there's, so this that God has done in the church overcomes resistance. That's why through our church history for 2,000 years, whenever wicked men have tried to stamp out the church, it's grown so fast. I remember as a little boy, I was, I was, I would help, we would set fires in our field. Dad would burn the field before we would begin to plow for spring, the spring. And, and I was a little boy with my burlap bag, soaked, water-soaked burlap sack. And I was there waiting, and we set the fire. And after a while, I would hit it with the burlap bag, and it would spread the fire. And I wasn't, didn't know how to hit it, and I was hitting it, and I was hitting it. And it would spread the fire, and I screamed out, Daddy! The fire was getting away from me. And that's how it is with the church. The more wicked men have come against it to beat it, to shut it down, it just spreads. That's the power of God. He wants you to know that that, that power is alive in you. He wants you to know this might, this power that overcome resistance as in Christ's miracles. This, this, this word power, it, it amplifies the magnitude of God's great power that is available for Christians. And so we want you to know, so Paul mentions, I want you to know these amazing things before I, I end the day. Paul mentioned three manifestations of God's power which are seen in Christ. He says that this power that was exerted in Christ when God raised him from the dead is in you and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. 
So God's energetic power that resurrected Christ 2,000 years ago is the same power available to believers in this present age. Wow. Wow. And so this amazing source of spiritual power and strength for living the Christian life is yours. So I, I want you to stop acting as though you are feeble and weak and infirmed and that you've got to go to the world for all these things. No, 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 no. Christ's ascension to the right hand of God involves being exalted above every authority. That means that, that uh, human authority and superhuman authority. So Jesus Christ has been raised, a man, raised from the dead. The Son of God, Jesus, is raised to heaven above every earthly authority and every superhuman angelic authority. That is in you. That's the church. <sighs> The second thing Paul was saying in this, he says the manifestation of God's power in Christ is seen in God placing everything under his feet. Adam lost headship. In Genesis we see it. When he sinned against God, he lost headship. But Christ has conquered everything. And now God has given him headship over everything. Christ has headship over all creation. Whole universe. And some say universes of universes. He's the boss. He's Lord over it. He wants you to know that. And where does Christ dwell? In you, by his spirit. Lastly, The third manifestation of God's power in Christ is his appointment over, as head over the church. <laughs> he's, he's head of the church. Christ's headship over creation. That's one thing. But now he's head of all believers. The church, his body. Several days ago, a young man that I knew of 66 years old named Bishop Gerald Glenn, pastor of the New Deliverance Church in Virginia. He died. Before he died, Bishop Glenn said some things. Some say, well, the CDC had come out against mass gatherings. We weren't following the CDC at that juncture. We were following our leaders. I'm not trying to defend him. Whatever he did, he did. But I sure defend his words. And I want to look straight into this camera and say I defend his words. And don't you dare come against his words. Because he said, my God, he said, God is bigger than coronavirus. That is the unsettled truth, unmitigated truth. He further said, if I die, I'm not worried about that. I will not be afraid. I love that. Reminds me of words that I've said and words I could have said. As I said to you last time I was sharing this message, I said to my brother Elliot, if something should happen to me, I said, Brother Elliot, 
and somebody comes against, well, he shouldn't have gone, he shouldn't have. I should tell them, you, you correct them. Don't let them get away with it. Don't you get, because it, it is for God that I live. It is for God that I die. I'm not trying to get out of life alive. But my life is for the glory of God. And this bishop's life was for the glory of God. And I'm telling you, if he had lived, I wouldn't be telling the world about him today. And God gets glory out of it. God got, got glory out of his life while he lived. And even in his death, God's getting glory. What have you done that God can get glory out of? When have you stood against a, a, a strong, wicked system and said, no, no, I am more resilient than you, than you because Christ in me is the hope of glory. I thought he spoke well. And I, I felt like it was my job to defend what he said. Because those who, who don't know God don't know the truth. They don't know what is real and what's right. They have their own world. Let me close with this, these words. I thought Bishop Glenn was right in alignment, perfect alignment with three Hebrew boys. The name was Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We, know, we commonly know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar when he had built a, a statue for people to worship, he said to him, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need. O King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter because they some, some enemies of theirs blocked them before the king and I see believers brought before authorities and made embarrassed that you believe in God who has saved you don't you be embarrassed these boys these young men teenagers perhaps, perhaps said we have no need to answer you in this matter if that is the case that you're gonna throw us in this fiery furnace is what it means our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he, will, he is able to deliver us. And Bishop Glenn was saying God is able to deliver. And some people say, what is he crazy? No, he's crazy about Jesus and you're not. Let me be counted with him. Let me be counted with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said that he's able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us. So one way or the other, he will deliver us. He will deliver us that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you set up. But if not, if God does not deliver me in this life, but if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. This is not so much an act of defiance as it is an act of worship. What is your worship? What is your worship? These people of God took a position which I'm sure that if you were to take this position today, it would be questioned by the world and many in the visible church. But Daniel's friends, position was a statement of faith, not defiance. Where is your faith? You're the church of the living God. Follow the voice of God and not the voice of this age. Let me pray. Let me pray. Father, in the name of the Lord, I thank you and praise you for this time that you've given me to share the word. I ask you to bless everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray 
for those in our audience who are saved, that you would comfort them during this time and cause them to be bold in righteousness. I pray that they would not be loose cannons, but bold in righteousness, knowing the will of God and then doing it. And for those who are not saved in our audience today, I'm asking you to come to Jesus today. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So today, if you, if you have prayed the prayer, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart. He has heard you and he has saved you. I'll be back in a moment.